You're listening to the Gate Charlotte Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. something I just want to know who said we love you Tyler that was perfect whoever, whoever yelled that out we love you Tyler it's not even his name if this is your first time at the gate this is the gate thanks all right we're gonna have a lot of fun this morning you're gonna be laughing if you're not laughing yet I'll have you laughing by the end trust me if you're not laughing by the end, you need prayer. So come at the end. <laughs> They'll lay hands on you for a spirit of joy. <laughs> oh, well, we are going to take up our offering this morning, which is always exciting. Amen. Whoop, whoop. Um, it is such an important part of what we do, um, not only to give to the Lord in worship, but to give to the Lord in finances. And um, we believe in being generous. I want to thank you all for... I guess it wasn't last Sunday, I wasn't here last Sunday, but two Sundays ago, you gave generously Sunday morning to our guest, Jessica Collins. And um, did Jessica bless you guys a couple weeks ago or what? Does Jessica have like the Heidi Baker kind of anointing or what? Where it's like, I watch her talk and I'm like, this shouldn't be working, but you have so much Jesus on you. Like you can just sit on the floor and talk and the presence of the Lord is just pouring out. And it was beautiful. She enjoyed the church so much, but you guys just... Um, just really generously blessed her last week. So thank you, thank you, thank you for doing that. We are able to send her a, just a, such a great honorarium. And so thank you. Um, but uh, it, is, it is so important that we be a generous people. It's part of just who we are. I, I, I often tell the leadership team at the gate, one of the phrases we like to use is, we like to use this phrase, um, this is who we are or that's not who we are. Instead of telling someone, um, don't do that, that's not who we are. And it's so, it's so powerful to be able to create these culture statements. And one of the things that we are is we are a worshiping church. We are a presence church, and we are a giving church. That's who we are. And um, so as we do this, I don't have to twist your arm. Um, I, I never want to twist your arm. If you don't want to give, then that's your choice. But it is a privilege to give to the Lord. And so as we take up our offering, we're going to keep the joy in the room. Amen. I need to have Wendy do it. She'll have you laughing while you're taking up the offering. So I'm going to have the ushers come up. Thank you so much. And I'm going to pray over you this morning. So, Lord, we thank you for what you've already done in this room. We thank you that um, worship was just like a big, refreshing drink of water this morning, Lord. It was so good. It was so good, Father. And Lord, as we give, Father, I pray that we would see tremendous breakthrough attached to these gifts today, Lord. Father, there's nothing routine about giving in the offering. It is a powerful statement in our life as a believer that we trust you with our money and we will not only give you our worship, we will give from other resources in life because we believe in what you're doing in the earth, God. Bless this house. Bless these folks in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. All right. You can pass those amazing baskets. And um, <laughs> I have a couple announcements to make. I'm waiting for the baskets to make it around a little bit. Tiffany and I just got back from an amazing vacation. 
which was awesome. We went to Florida and did nothing. <laughs> I did this new thing. I didn't rent a car, which is really weird for me because I think a car to me means a way to be busy. If I have a car, I do things. Um, and so it was mostly great. It's my first time using a Lyft driver. The first driver was the scariest ride. I've been on roller coasters, but nothing compares to Barbara, the Lyft driver. She was, uh, got in her car, started off that she couldn't find us at the airport. And I put in the instructions, we're at the end of the terminal, but she went to the beginning of the terminal. I thought, this is not a good start. She finally finds us, you know, um, comes down, pops the hood, we put our luggage in, and, um, <laughs> and get in. She's got, like, her uh, plaid dress on from Sunday. Her, uh, she's got, like, these Catholic things hanging on the rearview mirror. And, uh, and uh, she puts the GPS into her car. Right there is a bad sign. It's like, you're not using your phone. I'm concerned right now. Who uses the car GPS anymore? Um, and she plugs it in. And the first thing, we're pulling out of the airport. And yes, I'm having story time with John. Um, and she almost turns the wrong way on a one-way road. I can't figure out how to get out of the airport. I'm like, oh, no. And we get onto a highway. And she is driving like Dale Earnhardt, guys. She is flooring it. I mean, money is time for her. And she was like moving. And I see the traffic has stopped ahead. She's not stopping. I'm like, Barbara. Barbara, 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 Bar stop. And, and then you see cars coming up on your tail. I text Tiffany. I said, we're going to die. <laughs> I said, this is how it's going to happen. Not the flight. Mm. Riding with Barbara. Oh, man. Every turn. It would say, churn right in 500 feet. She go, oh, and she churned. I'm like, no, 500 feet's down there. And we just kept going in circles in St. Pete. I'm like, just drop us off. We'll walk to the hotel from here, Barbara. So anyways... That was, that was fun. But, uh, well, I had, <laughs> no, it was, we had some funny experiences in Lyft. One of the guys was Russian, didn't speak English, had just enough Russian to kick off a conversation. And uh, I thought he spoke English. So he's like, going to the ball game. I'm like, yeah, how are the Tampa doing this year? He's like, da, 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 da. I'm like, oh, sorry, I don't know if you don't speak. And he's, he didn't speak any English, just enough to know how's the ball game. You're going to ball game. <laughs> And uh, I kept trying, you know, and it wasn't happening, so I'm like, <laughs> okay. Um, anyways, well, we got a couple fun announcements this morning. Um, I get to uh, probably not introduce them to you because most of you will already know them. But there's some people that um, have already been mentioned this morning that are stepping into some awesome roles in the church and serving. And I'm really excited to announce who these folks are. And so I'm going to invite four people up. Um, Tyler and Jess, <laughs> sorry, Hunter and Jess come up, and Chris and Melanie come up, and if you love them, show them you love them. Come up with me, guys. <laughs> oh, Oh, I love these guys. I, there is so much joy, right, in between the four of these people. I'm feeling happy already. Like, this is so much joy. Um, we have been through, um, you go through these seasons of transition in, in church, and we went through a really big season of transition. And the Lord, though, um, every single area that we saw transition happening, the Lord was faithful that people were already being raised up. And it was such a blessing to me um, to see 
like the Lord was already high. I mean, guys, dreams and, and all these things about people were being given to us, and it was like it just all fell into place. And so um, I'm excited to announce that Hunter and Jess, who are two of the most just lovely people ever, they are now our young adults pastors, and they're going to be serving the young adults ministry. Um, I love these two. Um, they have been such a joy. I remember the first time I really met Jess was actually at a, uh, a can I share this, young adult? Yeah, okay. Um, it's too late now. Um, it was, I was hosting young adults. Me and Tiffany were hosting young adults, and Jess had showed up for um, the young adults gathering. I, now I've learned you're kind of just a crier. That's who you are. She's like, I cry. That's what I do. I'm happy I cry. I'm sad I cry. Don't worry about it. Very it's very true. And it's so freeing for me as a feeler. I'm like, are you Okay. She's like, I feel great. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's, we're good. I, I remember opening the door to my house, and she was just standing there crying on my front porch. I'm like, who are you? She's like, the presence of the Lord is so strong here. I'm like, hi, come on in. <laughs> this is like a skit on whose line is it anyways, you know? Like, come on in the house, you know? And uh, she has been such a joy. She, for a season, God took her, and she left here and went and did ministry at another local church. And then the Lord brought her back. And they met here, and so um, uh, you pre- he got, they got engaged, like, right over here, somewhere around here, there. Yeah, I mean, this guy, big story. So um, you can tell you, but um, we're excited. They're going to begin um, taking the reins with young adults, and then, oh, my goodness, Chris and Melanie. Oh, my goodness. What do I say? Um, these two are, are phenomenal. Um, they are going to be our Connections pastors, and they came in, and they just was a grace on them. There was such a, a, you know, just not only the grace, but also just the the connected spirit. We saw, you know, one of the things you want to see is not just a grace and a gift on somebody, because you have to have the maturity behind that gift. Amen? And um, and so we see gifts. So many people have so much grace and gift on their life, and we just so often watch and see a couple things. One, are, Lord, are they supposed to be doing that here? Or two, are they ready to be doing that here? And um, these these guys and their kids are just an awesome family. Liam, my, my little dancer on the front, on the front, I challenged him today. Never mind, I shouldn't say that. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say it. I, I told him, if you do the Napoleon Dynamite dance during worship, I'm going to be your biggest fan ever. And so I don't think it happened. Most of you are like, what's that? Don't watch it if you haven't seen it. You want to enjoy it. Um, they, they're, they are picking up and really running with making sure that everyone is getting plugged in, connected, seen, you know, loved, um, that no one's falling through the gaps. And so um, we have had time to sit down with b- both these couples and, and just talk and hear their hearts, and it's been such a blessing. And so um, we wanted to pray over them this morning, um, and I would encourage you to go talk to them afterwards. Um, give them a high five, a hug, and um, just bless them. I want us as a family to make them feel loved. They're, they're, what they're doing is coming in and loving you, but it's so powerful for us to make them feel loved. And so if you would stand for one more minute, we're going to just pray over them this morning. Um, if some of my leadership team wants to jump up here and just lay hands on them, more the merrier. Um, we are, oh, we're so excited about this. Oh, we love you guys. Lord, we thank you so much. Man, there's so much presence up here. Holy cow. Lord, we thank you so much. First of all, Lord, just for Chris and Melanie. In Jesus' name. 
Father, we thank you for that they are the gift, not for the gift they carry, but that they are the gift. They are a gift to anyone who knows them. I know they have been so quickly to Tiffany and I, Lord. And so, Father, would you bless them? Would you give them favor? It says that Jesus grew in favor with God and with man. And so, God, I know they have such favor, but would you continue to grow them in favor with God and with men? Would you give them wise ideas? Would you give them vision, that Father, that comes directly from heaven? And would you give them the capacity, Lord, to love in the way that you know they want to love? I pray you'd surround them, surround their hearts, surround their family, God, and that they would just stay in a cocoon of your presence, Lord, and that every ounce of energy that they pour out, that it would be, re- it would be returned, Lord, a hundredfold to them. Father, we bless them. Lord, we bless Hunter and Jess in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you for just, again, the gift that they are, the joy that they carry, Father. There is something you are doing right now at the gate. Just even prophetically, these four up here are just all joy carriers, (laughs) tremendous joy carriers. And God, there's an outbreak of joy getting ready to happen. And so, and Father, why not right now? Why not right now? So, Lord, as they, as they begin to step into this place, <laughs> as they begin to step into this place of, uh, here we go, um, of just leading and loving and caring for these these young adults, Lord, would you give them, Lord, the capacity, the wisdom, Father? I just pray over them of, Lord, how to best do it. Lord, when to say yes, when to say no. And Lord, just again, the same prayer that, Lord, every bit of energy that's poured out, would you return it to them a hundredfold? Father, we just pray that their roots would deepen more and more into this house, Lord, that they would be so strong and rooted in you that people, young adults, can just feel like they can come and just sit with them. And it would be like sitting. I just see you guys like a, like a tree with shade, that people can come and just sit next to you, and it provides shade and coolness and refreshing. So we bless you. We love you. We thank the Lord for all of you. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. <laughs> love, you, love you, Tyler. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hunter is, he's fun. I, uh, when we wanted to take him out to dinner and just talk to him about some stuff with young adults, I texted him. I was like, hey, we're not, I don't know, you do ministry long enough, you kind of get tired of dressing up. And I was like, hey, don't dress up. Like, <laughs> Let's just sit outside. And he's like, dude, I live in my swim trunks. Literally. He's like always in this. He's dressed up today. Um, And so, well, all right. I want to talk to you about something today. Um, We're going to talk about this subject, and I don't know. It might become a series, or it may just be today. But it's called Reset, and it's called Getting Back to Family. And I want to talk to you about something that I'm really passionate about um, it's you. <laughs> I'm passionate about you. I'm passionate about Jesus, but I'm passionate about the local church. I, I'm really passionate about the local church. Um, I went away this week, and we just had such a sweet time of getting away and just spending time with the Lord and just unplugging as much as possible and just hearing the Lord. And as I was coming back and starting to just ponder on, Lord, what's, you know, what's this what do you want to speak this week? And, and I felt such a simple word, but it was just resetting to family. And I know it sounds simple, and I always get a lot of amens when I start preaching a sermon like this, and by the end, it's a lot quieter. 
Because the idea of family is great, and so the reality sometimes of family kicks in. See, some of y'all are starting to picture people in your family. You're like, oh, I get it. Um, And so um, I want to talk about we have to begin to reset some of the ways that we see church. Um, And so if you have your Bibles, I'm kind of just going to have a dive, just one scripture today that I'm going to jump off of, and I have others. I don't know that I'll get to them, but... um, To jump in this morning, I'm going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. And it says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. Somebody say amen to that. But fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. I'm going to read it again. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Household. Now, I want to read it in the message because I think it's just fun. In the message, it says, um, let's go back to verse 16 in the message. I'll, if you don't know the message, don't even try to follow. Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace, and that was the end of the hostility. Christ came and preached peace to you outsiders and peace to us insiders. He treated us as equals And so made us equals. Through him, we both share the same spirit and have equal access to the Father. That's a good word. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. The kingdom of faith is now your home country. I like that. Here's the part I want you to catch. You are no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here. Look at the person next to you and say that. You belong here. With as much right to the name Christian as anyone. Here it is. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. I'm going to stop there. God is building a home. When you gave your life to Jesus, we hear often, you know, I went from darkness to light, which would be such an accurate representation of the salvation experience. We hear um, darkness to life, death to life, right? But we don't always hear stranger to family. Stranger to family. This is really important because this has always been God's plan for you and I. Always been. We see in the Old Testament a a glimpse of this in Psalm 68, 6, where he says this phrase, or this phrase is quoted. He sets the lonely in families. This is... This was in the Old Testament, this was in the Old Covenant before Jesus came and died on the cross, and now we're in this New Covenant where the manifestation of this is available to all. His heart was that you would not be alone. You see it in the creation of man. What did he say when he created man? It's not good for you to be. I need to create someone else for you. You need family. And so we see where he created woman. My wife always... Reminds me that God created a woman and said, and she's very good. Man was just good. <laughs> she was very good. She also reminds me that wisdom is always referred to as her in Proverbs. <laughs> God's heart from the beginning, from creation, was family. It was not to be alone. And I heard one of my friends said it, uh, man, years ago. Bill Vanderbush said this quote that stuck with me. He said, um, He said, we are coming into a reformation of belonging, a reformation of the lonely being set in families. 
And for this to happen, I think that we have to change the way that we look at church because I'm so passionate about church because God has chosen this beautiful idea of a family, a local church, to be a conduit in which he wants to do things in the earth. Amen? Amen. I love the church. I, <laughs> let me tell you something about pastors. They love the church. Don't, don't, don't throw out, there, there's some pastors that make bad choices. But pastors love the church. They would never do it if they didn't love the church. And as I prayed and I reviewed all this and I just processed things in my heart, I felt like he just wanted me to bring back this word on changing the way we look at it and seeing it as family. But sometimes for us to understand what the church should look like, we kind of have to understand what it isn't. And in the same way, if you remember when Jesus taught them how to pray, we all know the Lord's Prayer, our Father who is in heaven. That was on the tail end of him telling them, but don't pray this way. So he told them first, don't do this, do this. And so I'm going to take kind of a bold approach this morning and telling you some things that I feel like are not working well for the body of Christ. And I'll let you sort it out. If you don't like it, take it to Jesus. <laughs> I think we're in a unique season in the body of Christ right now because we have experienced some major breakthroughs. I'm just going to talk about some things because everybody sees them. But we've also experienced some major failures. Um, some of the biggest churches that were the forerunners, the people that wrote a song like um, what, a, what a Beautiful Name It Is, Hillsong, has went through a lot. There's been a lot of stuff that's happened. People have went through a lot. I don't have, I'm not going to judge because I'm not in the middle of that, so I don't have a right to step in to speak into that. But I can say this. It has been a big pain. Not, not that that sounds bad. It has been hurtful. <laughs> There's such a pain. <laughs> That's not what I meant. It's been hurtful to the body of Christ to see some of these big ministries having big failures. I think we're still learning things. I think that this whole idea, some, um, I was talking with a friend uh, six months ago, and he said something to me that stuck out. He said, John, he said, we don't even really, this whole idea, not that I'm judging it, but this whole idea of even megachurches, he's like, it's new. There's not been a testing phase that long. I mean, the idea of internet, it wasn't until the internet really happened that we began to have the capability of church online, virtual church, one pastor preaching to multiple campuses. Um, it's still relatively, for the body of Christ, a new concept. And what we're flushing out is things that aren't working. And I can tell you one thing without a shadow of a doubt is that one man is not made to carry as much glory as some people are getting attributed they're just not. I'm not created for that. You're not created for that. I don't care how great we speak, how great someone preaches. We're not created for that. And so we've seen um, the, 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 the church look different. Um, and there's some things that I think biblically that we can't get away from. And in the areas of exploring new options and how to do church, and don't get me wrong, I love the idea of being able to provide an online presence for people that maybe can't get out of their home. You see, I don't come in, I'm not throwing everything out. But there is an element that we can lose if we don't remember that this is not just an organization coming together. It's supposed to be a family. And my intent is not to tear things down. But the first thing we have to realize is that the church is a family. It's not a business. 
This is really important. The church is a family. It is not a business. I understand there is a business element of the church. For those of you like, well, wait a minute. I get that. But we are a family. If you start perceiving the church as a business, it will change how you interact with church. Now, this is a problem because our perspective of the, of the local church is everything because how you perceive something will always determine how you interact with it. How you perceive it will determine what you expect from it. Um, Tiffany and I, as we just said, <laughs> we just went on vacation. And um, I love, in the right atmosphere, good customer service. There's nothing wrong with good customer service. If I'm going to pay a good amount of money at a restaurant, I expect in that context good service. Some of you, well, maybe you don't, but I do. Or you're just too holy to say it. Uh, I don't get upset. I, I don't get mad if I don't get it. But I remember, and I may not go back. And Tiffany and I, we went, we went to this wonderful place, um, this wonderful uh, resort. And it's, uh, man, it's just, it's, it's swanky, man. You walk in, and it's like, it's just everything shines. And you come in, and they take good care of you, and uh, you go out to the pool, and you walk through the doors, and they're not making you find your own lawn chair. They come up to you with two towels, and then towels for your lawn chairs, and they are their pool, whatever they are, outside the pool, and they say, would you like sun or shade? Well, knowing me and Tiffany, white boy and darker girl over here, I'm like, <laughs> both. They're like, we got you. And so they go, and they're like, okay, this, this ought to work for you. And they, they pop up the umbrella. They lay out the towels. They, while you're waiting, there's, there's fruit-infused water. You guys got more impressed with that than anything I've said so far. <laughs> Whoa, man, we're going to put that in the foyer, and people are going to walk in and be like, wow. Did you see that water at the gate? Some people have their own smelling fog machines. We have fruit-infused water at the gates. And put, oh, man, we can go with that. He's the fruit. All right. Um, so so, so when, I, when I, how I perceive something, I expect it. In that atmosphere, I pay a good amount of money to be treated well there because it is a business. And, and so the way that we, that we think about a restaurant, for example, if you go out to eat, you, you want to have a nice visit. You want to pick a place where you expect to have a great evening filled with good service, smiles, clean environment, quality food, nice environment. Everything feels right. That's great for a business. But what happens is, is because our perspective isn't right, we come looking for a church where I could say the same thing. You expect to have a nice visit filled with good service, smiles, clean environment, quality food, nice atmosphere. And if I don't like it, I'm not coming back. That's not church. Now, I'm going to be pushing hard against culture this morning because I realize that there have been churches that have built impressive services with all these things. And I do think that there is a place for that. As we just announced, we have guest connections. We want people to feel welcome. We want people to know their place. But there is a difference if we come into a church looking for a business Opposed to looking for a family. It will not only change our ability to be able to connect with you, it will, ch it will change your ability to be able to connect with us. 
We can learn a lot. Don't get me wrong. I, I, like I said, I, I love the experiences. I, I like pleasure and leisure. I do. I enjoy it. We, uh, like I said, I'm going to joke around a little bit this morning, but uh, Tiffany and I went on a cruise one year, and I remember we were standing on this, uh, waiting to get back on the cruise ship. It was Mexico, and it was hot. And we're sweating, waiting to get back on this boat. And I look at the cruise line next to me, and they have tents set up with ice towels, putting them on people's necks. <laughs> My dad's like, that's the one I go on. Um, it's, <laughs> it's true. And I told Tiffany, I'm like, who's that? Because we're going on them next year. And my dad's like, that's the one we go on. I'm like, all right, you win. <laughs> so next time we went on that one, there's nothing wrong with that. It's perfectly okay in the right context. But what we have done is we've taken this idea, we've tried to bring it into the body of Christ. And it's created some really unhealthy behaviors within the church because that's not, and it's kind of like what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? It's like what has to happen first? Does leadership have to change it or do people have to stop wanting it? Because there is a draw for it, which is why leaders are doing it. But then as leaders provide that, people keep liking it. But at the same time, it doesn't allow people to create the same roots and connections in a body when it's built that way. And so I, I love it. I, but what happens is, is um, so Tiffany and I, we went on this wonderful trip. Um, we came home. And how many know that transition day into, back into real life? Y'all know what I'm talking about? I felt it in the room. Oh, Jesus, we feel for you. <laughs> You know what you need is some fruit-infused water. That's what you need. It'll make everything all better. I, I, uh, I, I told Tiffany yesterday we were, we were sitting and talking in our room. I'm like, babe, you don't seem to be doing so well. She's like, it's just not easy getting back. It's just, like, it's just hard to transition. How many know when you walk back in, there ain't no towels waiting for you? <laughs> There's children saying, hey, I forgot a towel. Every, you're back to being mom and dad. They don't care that you just stayed at a place where people treated you well. You're mom and dad. You're family. It's a different environment. It's a different place. Um, I'm, I'm going to keep shooting them at you. You know, we, we, one of the things, we had a Starbucks down the road, and I could we'd go down to Concierge. They give you these little beach bicycles, and you put your order in, you ride down there, their coffees are ready, you drink your coffees. How many of you know if I came home and I sat down at the table and texted Tiffany and said, would you make my order of coffee, please? <laughs> it ain't going to work well. <laughs> it ain't going to work well. Why? Because it's not a business. It's a family. It's not a company. It's a family. We took these lifts. We didn't drive. When you're setting up your ride, preferences are at the bottom. Would you like a quiet ride? <laughs> True story. What would you like the temperature of your car to be? Right? I'm like, this is nice. There needs to be a spot, just not Barbara. That's all I ask. <laughs> There's all these preferences. There's nothing wrong with that because it's a business. It's not a family. I don't come home from that trip and interact that way in different places, in different contexts, because it's not how it works. I'm going to do my best today. Now we're going to swing it the other direction. 
because I want to present to you what a family looks like. And I don't know about you, my, one of my favorite times of year, there's, there's some holidays that are just fun, but for me, Thanksgiving's my favorite. Um, I love Thanksgiving. Um, I love it in so many ways because, one, it's, it is just such a time, obviously, just, just to give thanks for all the great things the Lord has done in our life. It is a place, anytime there is a holiday about gratitude, good things can happen. And so it's this, but, but beyond the, 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 the healthy side of it, there's food, there's football, there's family, and there is this different environment that you really only experience around Thanksgiving. Um, everybody does Thanksgiving different. Everybody has their way of doing Thanksgiving. I'm not going to get into that. I got some funny stories, but I just don't have enough time. But Tiffany and I, we love to host that kind of stuff. It's, some, it's just such a joy to have over. One of the things you have is you have all different age groups. You have the grandparents down to the great-grandbabies. There's no age, connect, you know what I mean? There's no age barriers. It's just family. And we come together, and you, you get to have the fun of just being together. And the little kids are running around, and you're just having the time of joy. And one of the things that, for me, is always a big deal about Thanksgiving that means the most when you host is when, before everyone walks out the door, they first walk into the kitchen. And they help clean up. There's nothing worse than feeding everyone, and they walk out and leave their mess. And they come in, and they say, I got that, and I got this. And, and there is this family. And if you've never experienced this, someone around here will have you come over for Thanksgiving. You just let us know. But, but there is this beauty of what happens at Thanksgiving that is so different because all, the sh all of a sudden, you're going to begin to experience a different atmosphere. Now, if you show up at Cracker Barrel on Thanksgiving, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's completely different than showing up at family's house on Thanksgiving. Because you're going to sit down, they're going to do the work, and you're going to enjoy it. You're going to walk out the door. But it's not the same. It's not the same. Someone at my house will let you into our world. Someone is going to get handed probably a 10-pound bag of potatoes that my dad will eat by himself. <laughs> my dad loves his mashed potatoes and gravy. The f I do too. <laughs> Touche. The side, side story, the first time Tiffany came over to eat at my house for dinner, she went in for seconds and ate the rest of the mashed potatoes and gravy. And I thought, this is not going to happen. This, this is, it's, it's over, babe. You blew it. You could have done a lot of things, but not the mashed potatoes and gravy. It's just not, I just remember my dad walking in and just looking around like, I'm just, Jesus, help me. But somebody's going to give you, somebody's gonna give you a, a, a peeler or something. You're going to be peeling mashed potatoes. That's part of it. If you're family. Somebody's going to, if you're going to have fresh corn on the cob, they're going to hand you corn. And someone's going to go shuck that corn. 
And they're going to be, that's what they're doing. You've got people that are setting the table. You've got people that are in the kitchen cooking. You've got people that are putting out the plates and the silverware and the napkins. And they're getting everything set. And what's going on? Everyone is together. Why? Because it's family. It's not a business. It's family. You might be shucking corn. You may be peeling potatoes. You might be setting the table. It's what happens at Thanksgiving. There are some, you know, in a room this size, I'm sure there's some pretty influential people in different realms of society, maybe in business, maybe in different realms that you've worked really hard to get where you're at. You probably don't have to walk into a certain company and empty the trash, which is wonderful because it's a business. But when you walk home and when you walk in the door, that changes, doesn't it? Because that doesn't, that's not the same at home. Your family. I don't, it ain't Thanksgiving and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Do you know who I am? (laughs) I don't mean to brag, but do you know what I do for a living? Don't nobody care. (laughs) They just say, peel the potatoes. (laughs) Take out the trash. Why? Because we're family. Here's the thing. Everyone is excited to do their part, not because of the task they're doing, but because they're doing it in family. This is important. Um, People don't come over and say, man, I have been waiting all year to peel those potatoes. (laughs) People aren't like, listen, I have been practicing my shucking. You wait. You just wait. I'm not, I don't, we don't come in and I am passionate about setting tables. I mean, you just wait and see. Some people actually are. I'm not. I'm the guy that has no idea to this day what goes on what side. I still Google it. But I'm, I'm not, you see, I'm not saying I'm passionate about this, I'm, but I am passionate about family. And see, what can happen is, is that we do this in church all the time. Well, we really need help with the kids. Well, I'm not just, I'm just not passionate about kids. See, the amens are getting less and less. I knew it was coming. I knew I'd lose you right there. You're like, okay, I'm out. We, we have it all the time. It's, it's every, every church has it. It's, it's the mentality of, well, you know what? I'm not really passionate about being on the greeting time, but I'm passionate about the worship team. You see, it's not always about your passions. It's about family. And this is really important for us to understand because um, we lay down titles in the kingdom of God. I'm going to say that again. We lay down titles. We don't, I don't need a title. Can I be honest with you? I, I really don't need one. People ask me, what do we call you? Well, my name is John. You want to call me pastor, that's fine. You want to call me, call me what you want. But I don't need a title. Why? Because if I start operating from a title, sometimes that title doesn't always really accurately reflect my grace. You see, people have titles and people have grace. And this, in the church here in America, we primarily know the title of pastor. Everybody's a pastor. You're the parking lot pastor. You're the cleaning pastor. You're the pastor pastor. You're the pastor of the pastor pastor, and you're the pastor under the pastor pastor. 
and they're pastors. They're all pastors. Everyone's pastors. The problem is, is when you're not a pastor, you may be a teacher. You may be an evangelist, which does not typically make the greatest pastor. Because you're like, dude, I have been saved so many times by you. <laughs> but then, then why aren't you out saving other people? That's the mentality, because why? That's a grace. And, and, and a lot of them have um, overlap in their gifts. But, but what happens is we like to pick up these titles, and we latch on to them, which is, oh, I'm so funny about titles, because I want to be more operating the grace God's given me than a title man's given me. And it's so important that we understand this. And I see it back to family. I see it back at the house. You know, when I'm home, I'm not, I'm dad or son I'm not Pastor John. I'm not saying that's wrong to call me that. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. But there's no titles. The feeling is we're here together as family. And this is so important that we begin to understand that it's not always a passion about a task as much as it is a passion about a people. It's a passion about a calling. It's a passion about what are we called to do and what does that look like. And our hope would be that people get to... Can I, can I be honest with you? There are seasons of being a pastor pastor that you don't get to really do your passions. I know you're shocked. <laughs> there, it's just life. I, I, I so appreciated when Josh Frost was here a few months ago and he was talking about Bill Johnson because I think he showed a little bit of a side of him that most of us just don't see. He said, Bill picks up, if he sees trash on the ground, he picks it up. He said, if the bathroom counter is wet, he wipes it off. You see, we, we have to come to the place where that mentality of, it's not always about what I'm passionate about. I'm not coming into Thanksgiving and saying, listen, I am passionate about football, so that's all I'm going to do today. Some of you are like, I hope, I hope it tastes good because that's what you're eating too. <laughs> it's, it's, so we all going to get convicted. I can feel it in the room. You're going to have to go apologize to your spouses. <laughs> you're probably catching on to this a little bit by now. When you begin to get passionate about family, it's less about what you're doing and more about who you're doing it with. It's, it's, it's less about sometimes what I'm doing, and it's more about who I'm doing it with. We have to switch our thinking some, folks, with, with the local church, the local family. And we can't keep looking at it as a restaurant. We have to start seeing it as a family. He didn't set, he didn't set the lonely into organizations. He didn't set the lonely into discipleship classes. Not that there's wrong about that, but he set them into families. He didn't. There's so many different metaphors we've used for the body of Christ over years that I think have actually really hurt this. Um, and I get the intention behind them like we are the army of God. But the problem even with that is like when I think military, my mentality is not family. There is a place for that. But... It's not. He didn't die on the cross to save the army of God. He died on the cross to save sons and daughters. 
He came to an orphan planet and said to them, listen, I'm going to blow your mind, but here's how you're going to pray to me. Start with daddy. They were afraid to even call him Messiah. That was uncomfortable. But wait, no, you call me Abba? He immediately came in and said, we have to change the way you see things. And I feel like we keep having to come back to this and like, we got to keep changing the way we see things. We have to reset. We have to get this thing back to family. And, and it's even hard by saying that because we've heard so many um, catchy sermons and so many things about, you know, going from a crowd to a community, you know. And, but I, I'm talking about like literally getting it to the point where when you walk through that door, you're family. You're not just in a community of believers. You're in a family of brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and sons and daughters that have all been called to be a part of a family. And the, and the mentality that comes from that is, I, you know what? I don't care what I do. I I, you know what's a breath of fresh air to leadership? And can I say I purposely preach this after being away from, for a week because I'm not in the middle of any weird conversations with people? So they're not, you're preaching at me. None of those going on right now. It's such a breath of fresh air when people say, I just want to serve any way you need me. I don't care. Just let me know. If you need me here, I'll serve here. There are people that do things sometimes that, according to the world, are so overqualified to be doing that. I was talking about my mom uh, while I was on vacation most of my, my uh, before I was in ministry, when my dad was pastoring, my mom was almost always in the kids' ministry at least once a month. And in one of those classrooms over there, teaching the little kids. Always. As much as I can remember. It's not about a title. Well, that's the pastor's wife. You shouldn't be doing that. Says the business model. Not the family. Because the family says the least of these are the ones you should be focusing on. So it's not a push for kids' ministry. But I'm taking them specifically because it has been an area that we struggle with. I mean, we as in the church. Because it's not child care. It's not, it's, it's not daycare. They're not put in that room for two hours so you get to come experience Jesus. They go in there so they can experience Jesus in a language that they understand. And by the way, they're prophesying, laying hands on people. Kids are getting healed. Teachers are getting prophesied over. I remember talking to one teacher, um, and she was telling me her story um, of just, she'd come in one, I, I'm probably going to get all this wrong, but, you know, Alex was telling me, some, I don't want to screw it up, but I just remember she said, she'd had a rough morning. She didn't feel prepared, and the kids ended up just praying over her. And she was, we're sitting at dinner, and she's just in tears telling us this story. I'm like, that's amazing. You think you're going in there to, you've got this idea, you're going in there to minister to them. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> Set up. They're ministering to you. Why? It's family. I'm going to hit on something else. I, I'm, I'm just hitting them all. Our giving is important. When I say giving, money, it's important, but it doesn't replace serving. It's both are needed. It would be like me 
on Thanksgiving, Tiffany's saying, hey, uh, can you set the table? Well, you know what? I bought that table. Huh. <laughs> and you're going to die on that table. <laughs> I, I, how many of you know we need people to pay for the table? We do. But they're the same people that set the table. It's all family. And, and I, I get it in the, in the corporate world of climbing that ladder. There's nothing wrong in that world. I don't do that anymore. You did that. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's a business. We are a family. I'm going to say this so many times by the time you leave it, you're going to be sick of hearing this. Because I'm trying to come back into what I feel has become so unhealthy in the body of Christ, which is creating a culture that is, people, it's too easy. Can I just say it that way? It's too easy. I was... <laughs> I was, I was buying a part for my tractor recently, and I went down to this place um, near my house, this Kubota place. <laughs> You'll appreciate this, Sam. You know the owners. I used Apple Pay. Apparently, they've never seen Apple Pay. So I pull out my phone, and I'm like, do you take Apple Pay? He's like, what's that? I'm like, well, this little thing where my phone touches it, and it works. He's like, I don't know. Try. <laughs> bloop, bloop, bloop. He's like, would you look at that? <laughs> Hey, Jimmy, he just paid with his phone. And you know what he says to me? He says, man, that's just too easy. That's just too easy, man. And uh, I think there can be an unhealth to that mindset. But at the same time, I think that that's kind of what we want with church sometimes. Bloop, bloop, that's it. I didn't have, my, you know what was the worst case I would have had to done was walk about from here to that sound booth to my truck to get my wallet because I forgot it in the car. Now, in business, that's great. But when we expect that from the local church, that's a problem. Why? Because things that you have equity in, you have sweat equity, you have relational equity, you have poured yourself into it. When the time comes that someone offends you, and trust me, they will. And if they don't, you'll find a way to offend yourself. You will get offended at somebody. So just let that one go. You just... It happens. But when it happens, when it happens, you don't, you know, I can't believe they talk to me that way. I mean, I was treated so well when I walked through the door, like royalty this whole time. And then they, they asked me to do this. <laughs> you see, the, this equity, this relational equity, it, it roots us. It roots us in family. The reason that people go from, and, and, and please hear me, if you're looking for a new church, there's nothing wrong with that. But, but the unhealthy side of going from church to church to church to church is that we start looking at them like grocery stores. Who has the best food, the best service, the quickest service, get us in and out as quick as we can, the right lights, the temperature set right. Would you like a quiet ride or a loud worship service? <laughs> And, 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 and then when something changes, I need to find a different church. Do you know that's really how denominations are formed? It's just instead of preferences, it's on doctrinal beliefs. And we have this set of agreements. And when all of a sudden there's a new one that comes out of it, they say, well, that's not part of what we believe. Well, let me just start over here, and I'll start a denomination the exact same as this one with one or two differences. Why? Because it was built around 
doctrine instead of family. I can take this all different directions, not just business. There's the denominational side. I'm not saying all denominations are wrong, but the denominational mindset can be dangerous if you're not careful. Because it's a mindset of we all come together based on a set of agreements opposed to we all come together as a family. And how many of you know when you sit together at the table for Thanksgiving with your family and they don't agree with you or they have a different set of ideas or they have a different, Lord forbid, they vote differently than you. (laughs) I don't have time. It's got two minutes. I'm not even going to go there. (laughs) Not even going to try anyways. I I saved that one for the end. But... They're still family. I don't walk away and say I think differently than you. Like, I think differently of you. I think differently than you. But I don't think differently of you. And that begins to just permeate us as the mentality gets away from it's not a business. It's a family. When you begin to see the body of Christ this way, you will not, it will be become, oh, that's just what we do as family. When someone says, hey, could you help out with this? Could you come? Danny Silk's coming, and we got all this stuff to do. Could you help? It's not like a, I don't know if I want to do that. It's family. Let's, let's bring this down. It's a happy baby. It's family. <laughs> there are three people that usually, there are three groups of people and that on Thanksgiving don't get involved with helping. One of them is kids and babies. Now, don't get me wrong. My kids will try to set the table. We'll probably just have to go set it again after them. <laughs> they try to help. But they're okay running around. The babies can have fun. The second one is usually if it's someone that is a a guest at your home, not a guest like their family guest, like, we got this. You just be here. You've come over for a special thing. You're not part of our family. We're going to take care of you today. And that's okay. That's why we have our connections team. It's okay to come and be here for a while and say, "I I don't even, I'm just here, like Wendy said. I'm just here right now. That's okay. And the third is just that family member that never does anything. (laughs) I'm not going to say who it could be in my family. But there's always that one family member that's just watching TV while everyone's working. It's like, are you even seeing this? Like, I I don't, when, if God calls you to be a part of a family, (laughs) you all just saw a picture of a family member when I said that. (laughs) I, I love that. There are, three, there are three groups of people in a, in, a, in a local church that typically have a hard time. One is the babies and the immature. They, they like to just, it's, it's what they've known. Second is guest, and that's okay. If you're new and you're just checking this place out, feel free to just rest and be here. We blessed you with that. But know what you're getting into. If you made it through worship, you're doing pretty good. And we don't want to be a people that just, you know, want to be a part of serving where I'm passionate about something. I don't have time to get into that. I'll just say this and probably offend somebody. 
The church is not here to fulfill your passions. It's just not. They're the perfect, sometimes there's just this awesome connection where what you do in ministry, it connects and you get to do it for seasons and, get to, and it's awesome. It's just not always that way. Yeah, you got quiet now. I love when, I, I want people to be empowered. I want people, but, but the idea that you can do it all under the local church isn't always a very good idea. Because you may be called to do things that aren't part of what we're called to do. doesn't mean that we think differently of you. Just what God's called us to do is different than what you feel passionate about. And so I really want us to begin to chew on this reset. On this reset. And I want you to begin to see it. Please, it's going to take time. It's going to take time to not walk through these doors and come in 10 minutes after 10 and leave the moment the service is over for some of you because that's all you've ever done. And I'm not judging you for that, but begin to see this as a group of people that, I mean, let me say it this way. Let me end on this. A lot of times we have people that want a move of God. They're like, I want revival. And there's a lot of times the same people like, I don't really get into this community stuff. Can I tell you something? Revival was always meant to happen in the context of family. If you don't do it within family, you have to do it within activities. And trying to do activities to sustain a revival is not sustainable for long. Read the history books. There's only so many services you can go to. When you sustain it within family, though, you get together with friends and you have a meal. You sit down. You talk. The presence of God is there. Prophecy happens. People get set free. Things are happening. It's sustainable. Why? Because it's called life. This is a service. The mentality of I want an outpouring and then I want to come to church every night of the week for an outpouring. Some of you may not like this, but it's not healthy for families. It's just not. I mean, I, I want God to pour out his presence at the gate like I've never seen before. But I also know that God doesn't want me to sacrifice my kids for a ministry. And I won't. But I can do life with people and sit around a table and watch the same thing happen together as what can happen right here. I, there is a, there's an elevated... Yes, there's something that happens when you come together and there's all your believers here and there's a band. It's special. That's why we, it's important. But it's, if that's your only source, it's not sustainable. We are a family. And I want to challenge you as you come and you begin to see this. It's not, you know, the, there's that church that just wants community and we want presence. Stop drawing lines that Jesus never drew. Jesus was revival. You, the first outpouring that ever came to earth was Jesus. He was outpouring, and he chose to do it with 12 friends. He was revival. Amen? Let's stand up. I, I am, I told Tiffany when I was, before I preached on this, I said, babe, I, I just, I'll give my life for this. 
because I'm so passionate to see people, the lonely set in families. And I'm going to, I just want to encourage you and challenge you to begin to just ask yourself the question, do I see church differently? Don't beat yourself up, but just begin to ask yourself, do I see it that way? Because that's our heart. You, he, he came to bring you into the home, into a house. Lord, I thank you for the gate. I thank you for this house. I thank you for these people. And I thank you for the opportunity that we have to be family. There's so many variables to that, Lord, that I can always hear the people saying, what does that mean? Or I've tried or this. Lord, you're going to have to come behind me and help people walk through this. But, Father, I've shared what you gave me to share. And I pray that we would experience such a powerful mental reset that, Lord, we don't look at it as a restaurant or there's nothing wrong with good customer service, but, Lord, what are you calling us to do and how can we do it as a family? Father, I just release a blessing on this family. I release a blessing on this family. I feel a couple things the Lord wants to do right now as we wrap this up. And while I'm praying, if the prayer team could just go ahead and come on up. But Lord, I feel like anxiety is being dissolved. I felt specifically the moment I said anxiety, I thought about that blessing where it said, lift your face to heaven. And I saw just anxiety falling off of people. So I bless you with wholeness of mind, wholeness of spirit, wholeness of emotions. And those of you that have struggled with anxiety, I just ask that the Lord and his grace and mercy would just remove that from you and from uh, everything that makes you up, like it would be removed right now. And that he would just come back and just replace it with peace and presence and comfort and hope. I bless you with that. Those of you that have been through um, painful church situations that you listen to me and think, I don't know if I believe this. That's okay. I just, I bless you with just an experience with the heart of the Father. Because I know that he can do more in a moment when you, he let you see his heart than any preacher can do. So I bless you with an encounter with the Father's heart. Father, I just pray a blessing over the families in this room. I bless every family with whole, wholeness and healing, with presence, and that you would abide. We honor you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. We have a prayer team that's up here this morning that will join with you. We have amazing testimonies come out of these prayer times. If you need prayer for maybe something that I've preached on has stirred something up and you just would like agreement, they'll pray with you. Maybe you need a healing, they'll pray with you. Whatever you need, they'll pray with you. But bless two or three people around you before you go home. That is so important.
You've been listening to the Gate Charlotte's podcast. Consider subscribing so you don't miss a message. We're sending this to someone who might need encouragement today. Thanks for joining us.